The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, with a member of the Wells on October 26, 2014, based on Matthew 21, verses 33 through 43. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which Jesus speaks to us here today is the Gospel, Matthew chapter 21, beginning with the 33rd verse. Jesus speaks, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir, come, let's Kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will not rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. God is love, so he won't judge. That's a popular thought. Many use it to legitimize all sorts of immoralities. To counter that, others emphasize God's law. He has standards. He's given us the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. He will judge. The danger on that end, though, is that we lose sight of God's love. And instead, he becomes only an angry God who always frowns. He's like that parent, always criticizing, never having anything good to say with a God like that. Either we end up imagining, fooling ourselves into thinking that we're better than the rest and so God's not quite so angry with us, or else we collapse under the weight of our own guilt. What a burden to worship a God who always frowns. Have you struggled with that? God is love. God will judge. We don't have to look out into the world 
to see how those two truths can be abused. We see it happening right in our own hearts. Our sinful desires coax us, oh, give in to that sin, it'll be fun, God will forgive you. Remember God's love? And then afterwards, Satan blusters, look at what you've done. God has standards, you know. He's going to damn you to hell. God will judge. God is love. God will judge. How do we balance those two? That, though, that, though, dear friends, is the wrong question. Because that question the very nature of that question pits those two against each other, almost as if they were opposite ends of the teeter-totter. If you emphasize God's love, that pushes down his judgment. And if you emphasize his judgment, that forces down his love. And even if you manage somehow some sort of compromise that balances the two, and you know how hard that is on a teeter-totter, but even if you'd manage that for a while, then neither really gets the emphasis they deserve. For you see, dear friends, both are fully true. God is love. God will judge. There is no tension within God. Those two go hand in hand with each other. There is no kind of balancing act inside of God. It's only our own feeble understanding that fails to grasp the full truth. God is love and God judges. That is the God of the Bible. The God who reveals himself in the Holy Scriptures, who is so far beyond our understanding He is the God who is love and the God who judges. Jesus' parable of the vineyard from Matthew 21 brings out both the full love of God and the full justice of God. For you see, the Lord's love endures even in judgment. That's the theme we want to focus on here this morning. The Lord's love endures even in judgment. How extraordinary that love is. That's part one. And part two, how worthy of our fruit his love is. For yes, his love endures even in judgment. Jesus begins the parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. From the very start, Jesus vividly pictures God's love. God's love that stops at no expense or cost. Think of the work that goes into just planting a vineyard. The ground has to be cleared, the soil worked, the vine selected, planted, intended. That by itself is a labor of love. But 
so great, so extraordinary is the landowner's love, so lavish, so lavish is his love that he does not stop by simply planting the vineyard, does he? Jesus describes how he makes a wall and a watchtower around the vineyard to, to protect it. And he digs a, a wine press for it as well. And it's so easy for us to read over those words and not think much of that. But just, just let's use that example. Think of the labor that goes into making a wine press in Jesus' day. You just didn't click on an item and then have Amazon deliver a wine press. No. A wine press was carved out of a stone floor. There would be an upper shallow vat carved out of that floor where the grapes would be placed for the people to stomp on and then connected to that would be a deeper um, vat that would have the juice flow into it. That too, carved out of the stone floor. And sometimes there was a third or fourth vat so that as the sediment settled, the juice could flow down. You can imagine the amount of work that goes into making a wine vat. The Lord's love stops at nothing. The Lord's love spares no cost. How lavish his love. How extraordinary. And so also, as we think back to that first reading from Isaiah, how well the Lord put it when he said, what more could have been done for my vineyard than what I have done for it. The Lord's love provided for his Old Testament people of Israel, provided all that they need. And the Lord's love still lavishes us with all that we need, both for body and soul. Consider, dear friends, consider how he gave you physical life through your mother and, and, and eternal life through baptism. Yes, he has planted us in his vineyard. And he takes care of us as well, doesn't he? He tends to our needs, taking care of our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. And he protects us, doesn't he? Not by building a wall or a watchtower, no, a far, far better protection. Protection even from that unseen enemy, that old evil foe, who prowls around like a roaring lion and a ravenous wolf. Yes, what lavish love. What extraordinary love. The parable continues by telling us how the landowner then rented out this vineyard to, to farmers to tend it, take care of it. And so also the Lord provided his Old Testament people with spiritual leaders to tend and care for them. Priests, Levites, scribes, rabbis, even the kings were to be spiritual role models. How faithful were these farmers? I'll read through the Old Testament. You see that a few, a few were faithful, a few were good and God-fearing, but many were not. And as time went on, it became worse down to Jesus' day. But the Lord's love did not abandon his vineyard. He sent his servants. 
the prophets, men like Elijah and Isaiah, Elisha and Jeremiah, the prophets who proclaimed the Lord's message. They were his servants going to his vineyard. But the majority, especially the leaders, rejected the prophets. They did not believe the message. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. That's how they treated the prophets, the servants of the Lord. And now, now, this is where we start seeing just how extraordinary the Lord's love is. At this point, if Jesus were telling a realistic story, at this point, any ordinary landowner would take immediate action against those tenants and uh, destroy them. But notice what Jesus does with the parable. This is no ordinary landowner. How extraordinary the Lord's love is. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time. He kept calling them to repentance. Yes, the Lord kept sending his prophets to his people again and again, calling them to repentance, hoping for faith. How patiently the Lord dealt with them. And, dear friends, how patiently the Lord's love still deals with you and me today. For each day we sin against him. We so easily give into our sinful desires, especially those sins that we are prone to. We give into them without even all, a lot of times much of a struggle against them. We, we are slow to do the good that God places in front of us to do. But he continues to call you and me to repentance day by day. He has not given up on you or me. He calls us through his written words, the words the prophets that he has seen to have written down for us in the scriptures. He calls to us through the written words of the prophets and also through our brothers and sisters in Christ as they speak the Bible truths to us. How patient God's love is. How extraordinary. And we haven't even arrived at the greatest gift of his love, have we? Last of all, he sent his son to them. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What extraordinary love. But now, now when the son is rejected, that's when God's love stops, right? That's when the extraordinary love comes to an end and the judgment starts, right? Wrong. Yes, the judgment does come. It comes here. The love does not stop. Remember the theme. The Lord's love endures even in judgment. Now don't let human ideas about love blur the stark truth of the judgment. Jesus vividly presents it in the parable. And in fact, he has so skillfully told this that he hasn't even had to 
complete the thought and the people can see the judgment coming. Jesus doesn't finish the parable directly, but he has the people finish it. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they say. Yes, have no doubts about God's judgment. He judges. But then where's the love? I think there's two things for us to keep in mind here so that we see that the Lord's love endures forever, yes, even in judgment. First of all, remember when Jesus was telling this parable, it is Tuesday of Holy Week, three days before his crucifixion. And Jesus tells this parable in the hearing of his enemies, the very ones who have plotted his death. And he is telling this out of love. This, this parable is, is, is a, a warning call to them. It is, is, you might say, Jesus trying to shake them awake to see what they have, have planned to do before it's too late and then they, they seal their eternal damnation. Yes, it's his love calling them to repentance yet once again. We might paraphrase it in more, in more direct speech. It, it's Jesus saying to them, look, Look at what you are about to do. You are about to kill God's son, the very son he has sent to you. Just as your forefathers killed the prophets, you are about to kill the son. Listen to your own scriptures, for he, I, I am that cornerstone that was foretold. Turn, turn from your evil ways and live. Yes, what love, what extraordinary love that endures even in judgment, calling, calling his enemies to repentance. And secondly, I think we see God's love even in judgment here, not only in this call to repentance, but also in what happens because of, as a result of the judgment. Notice that when the kingdom is taken away from those who have hardened their hearts, when the kingdom is taken from those who have rejected Jesus, that's not the end, is it? But Jesus says that it is given to others. Yes, even to sinners like you and me. What extraordinary love. Lord's love endures forever, even in judgment. How worthy of our fruit his love is. That's the second part here. Why wouldn't we bring him the fruit of the harvest? So great is his love toward us, his love that endures forever, even in judgment. How worthy of our fruit his love is. And what is that fruit? Now think back over the parable. And I think we can maybe at least list at least four different things that we can think about as, as fruit to give to our loving Lord. One, give him the fruit that marvels at his love. Yes, dear friends, marvel at the love of the Lord your God. Just as we noted the landowner's diligence in preparing the vineyard, 
Stand in amazement and awe at what the Almighty God has done for you. Stand in amazement and awe at His lavish love. And one way to do that is to to think of the Apostles' Creed and Luther's explanation to each of the three articles. For there, in those explanations, Luther lays out for us a summary of the Bible truths of the, the Lord's lavish love as he takes us through what our Heavenly Father has done for us and continues to do for us, as he takes us through what the Son does and and the Holy Spirit as well. Yes, ponder the Lord's great love. Marvel at his love. That is a fruit that we bring to him. Two, not only marvel at his love, but also listen to the Bible. That's how the servants, the prophets of the Lord still speak to you and to me today. Don't be like those tenants who refuse to listen. Take the Lord's word to heart and put it into practice. Believe his promises and do what he commands. Yes, this too is fruit. And why would we not want to listen to the one who has loved us so dearly? His love is worthy of our fruit. Three, as we marvel at his love, as we listen to the Bible, then welcome his son. Build on him as the cornerstone. This is really the essence of faith, isn't it? Faith welcomes Jesus as our only Savior, the one who took away our sin and reconciled us to God, the one who conquered death by his death and resurrection. He is the stone rejected by the builders, crucified outside the vineyard, but whom God raised up as the cornerstone. Faith leans on him alone. Faith builds on him alone. He is your cornerstone. Give to God that fruit, that fruit which is faith, faith in Jesus. And finally, see God's love enduring, no matter how bad things become, no matter how harsh our circumstances. For even in judgment, his love endures forever. In fact, when times are hardest, we may have the best opportunities to share his love with others and bring them into his vineyard. Yes, his love endures forever. It endures even in judgment. How extraordinary his love is. So bring him the fruit of the harvest. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.